I'm going to ask you to do something just because I feel like we need to just wake up a little. Uh, we've come out of the, the winter slumber. It was 16 on New Year's Eve. How crazy cold was that? I was, I was so cold. I had to wrap our car-like thing that covers your windows. I wrapped myself in it because we're out in the desert. But could I ask you to stand up quickly? Now stretch and touch your toes. Who can touch their toes without bending your legs? Without bending your legs. Who can actually do it? Do you want to put your hand up? Wow, there's a f- I'm like the least flexible. Christine, can you come and show us how it should be done? She does Pilates, so it is a little bit unfair. But, um, ah, yeah, come on. Thank you. <laughs> you may take your seat. The reason I got you to stretch is because I want to call 2018, amongst many things, the year of the stretch. And how many of you know that if you don't stretch, I, I was speaking to someone this morning, I said I'm wearing layered clothing because it's been summer and I have forgotten to exercise. I'm not summer, it's been the Christmas period and I've literally, it hasn't quite ended yet, it's ending when Geordie leaves, so I'm kind of just stacking everything else in. But I know that I, when I get back to gym, I'm going to be sore, I'm going to be stiff, and if you don't, if you don't stretch, you're going to become inflexible. Those who play sport, Durant plays has played professional rugby, still plays on a very high level here in Dubai. If you don't stretch, you're going to be hurt. And I feel like we need to sometimes stretch our hearts to say, God, what are you doing in this year? Last year was right the future. We are going to change that. We're going to keep right in the future. But for me, this year, ultimately for me, it is about knowing God. I've got two scriptures that are my scriptures for the year that may be behind me because I only sent them this morning to Jenny. But anyway, I continue to pray. This is Philippians 1.9. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. That is an incredible scripture. How do we get stretched? We get stretched by the love of Jesus. Where his, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the lo- His love shed abroad in our hearts. How do we know we're growing in God? How do we know we we have more capacity for others? Is that the love of Jesus begins to break us and change us. And sometimes it's going to require us getting into uncomfortable situations so God can start to use us in a powerful way. And I've realized this. The only time that God begins to use me powerfully is when I'm standing in the middle of the water. There's nothing else around me and all I have is Jesus to look to. And I, my prayer for you, and I pray this over you as a church, is Ephesians 1.17, out of the Passion Translation. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of, of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through the deepening intimacy with Him. My, long, my, my desire this year is that I grow and I stretch in the love of God. And are we beginning a series on the book of Acts? And uh, I love the book of Acts. If I think back to when I first got saved, um, I remember we used to sit in home group and I'd probably like read through it. Guys, we need to do this. We need to raise people from the dead. I haven't done it yet, but I'm trusting God that it will happen at some point. Um, So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts 1, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT, New Living Translation. And a lot of churches use this tagline, is to know God and to make him known. And 
I think it's sometimes okay to steal things from other churches. I'm sure, Link, did you come up with that? Never, eh? Never someone else. But um, that ultimately is what I want this year. If I had to think what, what would be the, the benchmark of success going into 2019 and what we've achieved in 2018, is that I want to know God and I want to make him known to others. We are ministers of reconciliation. We carry the life of God within us. We're the ones who carry the, the truth of heaven and we get to share it with others. What an incredible, incredible privilege. So this for me is what Acts 1 and the book of Acts is about. It's the story of the early church. Uh, uh, Acts was written by a guy called Luke, as you'll read here. He's a doctor, physician. Um, he wrote Luke, and then that was what Jesus did. And then it, he wrote Acts, and he traveled around with Paul. And that is the thing that, that he started to follow Paul and what he did and, and to see what, how the, the church grew in the early days. I'm going to turn this fan off as much as I need it. Okay. It says this. In Acts 1, Father, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that your word is life, that you are life, Jesus. Your word says we must come to you to have life. Father, in this morning, we, we come and we open your scriptures and we open your word, and I pray that it would speak to us. It would begin to change us. It, was, it would uh, take out the old and, old and replace it with the new. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. I'm going to just break it line by line, and then I've got a few points at the end. And if you look at the book of Acts, it really is it's the beginning picture of what the church looks like. And there's this quote by a Bible commentator named Boyce. He says this, Humanly speaking, Christianity had nothing going for it. It had no money. No proven leaders, no technological tools for propagating the gospel, and it faced enormous obstacles. I love that our lights went out. I love that sometimes when church is more of a family than a show, because it just shows that we are all human beings. Um, it said, no technological tools for propagating the gospel, and it faced enormous obstacles. It was utterly new. It taught truths, truths that were incredible to the unregenerate world. It was subject to the most intense hatreds and persecutions. And we, in our lifetime, are seeing a reflection of this in China. And I've preached about this before. But there's, the, the, the underground church in China is beginning to change. It's becoming well known. And uh, I mean, I sat with a friend of mine, and I apologize if I've shared the story before. But he was sitting in, um, in uh, Greece earlier on this uh, last year. And he's sitting with a pastor, this very quiet Chinese man. And he wasn't speaking up in the crowd. And uh, someone points out to him, he says, do you know that he's got like, I think it was like 20, like 20 million people in his church, something crazy. And we're like, and all of these guys are like, they think they're doing great because they've got like 500, 1,000 people. He's got, and he's, he's basically this apostle of this, of this underground church network. And there was massive earthquakes a few years ago in China. And he's, he mobilized his church to go help the, those who were in the places that the government couldn't even get to. And as a result of that, he had doors open to him, to the, gov, to the government. The government says, whatever persecution you've been facing, it's now lifted because I see the church in action. And I love that. I, I think that's, that's what we're meant to be. When, when Dubai goes through tough times, the church stands strong. When, when, when the world's going through rough times, we don't look at where the world's going. We look at what Jesus is doing, what he's saying, because with him, there's always hope and there's always peace and there's always joy. 
It says in my first book, Theopolis. And the word uh, Theopolis is actually, it's a, it, the, the meaning of this guy's name, which they, some commentators believe it's a lawyer, and uh, it means lover of God. And I want to say that this book, as we read it, in my first book, I told you, lover of God, which is you and me, those who love God. I, I began to teach about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And I want to ask a question at the beginning of 2018. Has your love grown cold in your heart towards God? I know, I know, I'm being honest with you, there's times, even as a pastor, I'm like, God, it's not what it used to be. I remember, and you have situations that get you to that place and, and whatever, you don't, it's not like you have to always be on the spiritual high, that's, that's not a reality. But I remember in the early days of, of being saved as a follower of Jesus, I would go to a camp called Treverton, I don't know if you went to that as well, it was in the Midlands of Natal in South Africa. And we were just on fire. Like I was reading Fox's Book of Martyrs. I was like, Jesus, take me to Afghanistan, chop my head off. Like I was praying these prayers. And I was like, there was just, and obviously God knows, oh, cool, I'm not going to do that to you, Dan. Uh, that is, uh, martyr, martyrdom is for some and not for all. Thankfully, otherwise there'd be no Christians. Um, but there was such an excitement in my heart for him. And at times, you can have life and situations and sometimes church and sometimes offense and sometimes things that get in the way of you, of this, the, uh, and sin that, 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 that causes your heart to grow cold before the Father. So can I say this morning, is it's, let's, let's turn back to our King. Let's turn back to Him. No matter what you've done, the amazing thing about Jesus is that He's way more forgiving than any human will ever be. As much as we offend Him, He's going to love us and He's going to forgive us. And we never take that forgiveness for granted. It's not like, oh God, I'm going to mess up tonight because I know you're going to forgive me tomorrow. That's a misunderstanding of God's grace. The grace of God should empower you to say, God, you've changed my heart so much that I will not carry on doing what I was doing. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. Have you lost your love for God? Has the excitement of the gospel ceased? The, the love for seeing people saved, no grace for others. The church has become a duty instead of a joy. You find joy and fulfillment in other things other than Christ. These are all signs that our hearts are beginning to, to, to retreat. And can I say, let's not retreat in 2018. Let's push into the Father. And I know sometimes it's hard because you have, may have a, a, a bunch of things stacked against you. Like, God, you never came through for me in 2018. And this person offended me in 22. 20, 2002, and, uh, and I'm still dealing with that stuff in my heart, and I can't move on. I'm saying, let all of that be thrown, thrown aside, and let's focus on the king. It says here in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The Greek word there is epistropho, which means to turn back to God. So, I mean, a lot of people are taught, oh, it's a change in mind. I mean, that's quite passive. For me, repentance is, I was going this way, Jesus, but I'm going to give everything to you. I'm going to run after you. I'm going to sacrifice what I need to sacrifice. I'm going to lay down what I need to lay down because my heart is in pursuit of the living king. Times of refreshing will come. It says, Jesus began to do and teach. There's, there's a Latin term called missio dei. And it's been used quite, quite recently about the missional church and us being a church on mission. But at the end of the day, God had a mission. God saw that the world was wrecked. He sent his son, super simple, this is Bible, uh, what's history maker stuff. 
The world was in a mess. He sent his son. Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years, three years of ministry, died on the cross for us, redeemed us to himself, redeemed the people of God. He, he sent the Holy Spirit, which we're going to read about now, and then they carry on the work of Jesus. Jesus did and taught. We need to, we need to do and teach as followers of him. It says, verse 2, until the day he was taken into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. This is Jesus who's died and rose again. He's in his resurrected body, but yet he's still giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. And for me, that's such a lesson that if God in all of his power, Jesus in all of his power is on earth in a resurrected body with full authority over everything, he still follows the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And it was a lesson for us. And I want to say that this year, as we begin this year, let's, let's tune our ear to what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is saying everything through his word, first of all. Get into a reading program. I can't emphasize this enough. There's uh, Bible in one year. There's, uh, there's the New Testament in 30 days. There's Bible in 90 days for those of you who have five hours spare every day of your life. But there's, there's, there's something, where, and I believe this. Uh, God, I, I went through a phase. I don't know what it was. In December, I was like, who's ever had doubts in their life around, around like even the Bible and stuff. I've, I've had it. And, I've, and I believe God often takes me through that so I can work through it so I can take people to freedom. And I was sitting there just sitting with like this doubt in my heart and it was just before Christmas. And I'm like, God, I've got to deliver a Christmas message. But I'm like, and I know that there's sometimes there's the enemy that attacks and, and all of that stuff in my mind. And I just, I felt God said, just begin to read my word. Because as the word began to wash over me and, and speak to me, faith began to rise in my heart again. And if you're entering this year with no faith for the future, no faith for your finances, no faith for your family, no faith to get over uh, some form of sin, get the word of God in you. Let it change you. Let it change the actual patterns in your mind. I, I pray every morning. I say, God, I just thank you that I have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Lord God, that I put on the helmet of salvation. I put these things on because I know that there's a world that's trying to pull me away from Jesus. Let's start the year on, the, on a good footing, and it's simply this, pursue the living king. Verse 3, it says, during the 40 days after he had suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Amazing. Just there's so, much, there's so much in there that he suffered and he, and he died and he appeared to the apostles from time to time, proving that he was alive, proving that he was this resurrected king, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, we have to understand something, first of all, that 40 days, if you look throughout the Bible, 40 speaks of transformation and completeness through testing. The Bible is, has a lot of patterns, and one of them is 40. So you're going to see Jesus was tempted for 40 days and fasted 40 days. The flood lasted 40 days in Noah's day. Moses met with God for 40 days on Mount Sinai. Israel wandered for 40 years. Elijah fasted for 40 days. Jesus comes and to bring completeness to the understanding of what has actually gone down, that he is this resurrected king, that he's going to be sending the spirit of God. It took 40 days. But imagine sitting with Jesus. Imagine sitting, Thomas comes up to him and like touches his side. He's like, God, I won't believe until I see. And then he touches his side and, and then he, he's like, wow, you're in this resurrected body. It even says that Jesus sat and ate with them, which is an amazing biblical truth for us. That when we get our resurrected bodies one day, we're still going to eat. And isn't that cool? 
I, I don't think God's going to overfeed us because that's gluttony and that is a sin. At least for me, over Christmas, Jordi and I were joking. We literally couldn't stop. We were like, okay, let's have another one. Let's go. And then I'll be like, dude, you're still hungry. I'm like, yeah, are we still hungry? And then we're carrying eating anyway. But I've repented of all of that stuff. Um, and simply this, for me, the kingdom of God, I can do a whole teaching on it and I've taught on it at times, but it's, it's the prayer of Jesus. It's on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I, I love the morning mist we've been having for the past two, three weeks. Isn't it cool? feels like we're in another country. But that for me is something of, of, of what the kingdom of God is about. It's almost like we, we have this picture that heaven is so far away. We've, we've grown up in a mindset and we've had pictures drawn on cathedral walls where there's man on earth and then far, far away is God in heaven. And, and then there's just this descending. And ascend. I believe heaven is so close because Jesus said it's so close. He brought us close. So I believe it's something like when we see the mist rolling in to Dubai, it's something of that we get to see with our eyes that that's how close I believe heaven is to earth. You can see it throughout scripture. And we need to pray the prayers. We need it with this, this, this kingdom that God is building is an invisible kingdom. It's not a political kingdom, which is, which is what these disciples thought it was going to be. It was an invisible kingdom that changes the hearts of man. That, that there's an, it's this internal thing that the greatest revivals haven't started in palaces. They've started in the poor of the poor in every society, and that just reflects across the whole earth. I mean, the, the story of the early church is incredible. Persecuted, forgotten. They were, they were um, under, under the persecution of Nero. Thousands upon thousands of Christians were, were killed, but you could not stop them. Someone said that the, the church is built on the blood of martyrs. So the more Christians that died, the greater the church got. And it just started to multiply and multiply. And that's why I've called this series Unstoppable. There's nothing we can do to stop the Spirit of God moving on the earth. I'm just saying, God, in this year, I do not want to be the one where you pass by and I haven't put my hand up and said, Jesus, I want to be used by you. I want to be part of the kingdom of God on this earth. I want to, I want to bring the kingdom of God in my workplace. I want to bring it in my school. I want to bring it with my life. I want to stretch myself beyond my capacity so I can have more of God in my life so other people can get to know him. So cool, I've got a simple message today. In Matthew 13, 11, it says, he explained, you have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realms of, of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. And this has a water. We're getting fancy here, we've got Fiji. There's the Greek word materion, which is mysteries. It's, it's, it's used 27 times in the New Testament. And it speaks about God's heavenly kingdom. And that's why I believe Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in cryptic language. He'd sometimes just drop like a little bomb that no one understood. It's because I believe the only way we can truly understand who God is is by the Spirit of God. We cannot begin to understand the truths of who he is, and that is the kingdom of God. It's, it's our spirits made alive. So you, you talk to, I've had this before, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, and I'm talking to them how good he is, and I'm almost feeling a bit stupid because I can just sense this wall of resistance that they're having against what this gospel that we're preaching because their spirits haven't been made alive yet. Maybe I'm part of that, that journey, but when our spirits are made alive, it's like, yes, this is truth. This is everything. I'll give my life for this. Verse 4, says, once he was eating with them, he said to them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. 
As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Let's take a deep breath because I need to. Sometimes we need to wait. And I know you can start the year. It's almost like 31st of December comes, then all of a sudden, wow, we're onto the same treadmill. Can I encourage you that this week, just spend some time waiting. Just open up the word of God, begin to look, begin to say, God, what are you saying? Write a life plan, write a vision for your life, write it down, make it plain, begin to declare it, begin to pray it. Just quieten your heart before the Father, before, he, before you go out and do, before your life just quickly takes over. So I want to encourage you to wait. It says you must wait in Jerusalem. And it says the Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be baptized in the Spirit. The word for baptized is immersed. It's, it's, it means fully inside, inside the Spirit. And we need to start living lives that reflect that and are in Him all the time. Verse 6 uh, it says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? Verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and, uh, and you're you not to know for now. Verse 8, such a key part. But you'll receive power. Everyone say power. But louder than that, power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And can I tell you, we grew up in a church and in a church culture where that was preached a lot. And I'll tell you, I would not be here if it wasn't for the scripture. Because Jesus is still saying the same to us. He hasn't stopped saying it. There's still a world to reach. There's still a people group to reach. There's still churches to be planted. There's still businesses to start in areas where the gospel maybe cannot go, but a business can go. And I, I believe God wants to start releasing people into the gifting and calling this year. I really do. I, I think there's been a years of training and there's been years of, of faithfulness and there's been years of coming to church. But I, I really feel God wants to shift people's hearts in, in city lights from coming to church to being the church. Who's up for that? I, I'm saying more Jesus. Please. Because I, I wasn't saved for meetings. I love church meetings and we can get slick and cool and all that stuff. But I was saved for a great purpose. I was saved to see the kingdom of God on the earth, to preach the gospel. Amazing. I'm going to read just in ending off where the apostles went. So Jesus said this to the apostles. It says, wait, the power of God is going to come upon you. We cannot do anything without the power of God, the spirit of God. We cannot intellectualize Jesus. He was, he was, Jesus is for everyone. He isn't just for the intellects. He's for absolutely everyone. And the power of God hits us and it changes us. And we go out and we preach the gospel. And the, this is where the apostles went. Peter and Paul went to Rome. Paul possibly further. Andrew went to the land of man-eaters which I believe is Russia, so I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, as apologies if anyone is Russian in this room, like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reading what history is telling me. He also went to Turkey and to Greece where he was finally killed. Philip went to North Africa. Matthew went to Persia and Ethiopia, the tax collector. He went to Persia. Do you know how far that is? To walk, even go on a camel or whatever. He went from Israel to Persia. He went from there to Ethiopia so far. To preach the gospel. He was eventually stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew went to Armenia, Ethiopia, and southern Arabia. And tradition tells us that he actually finally settled down in India. And there's, there's a group of Christians today that can track where their Christianity started from, from when um, 
Was there Thomas? Bartholomew. Where is Thomas? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, James that went to Syria, Simon went to Persia, Mat- Matthias went to Syria, and John went to Turkey. And John was the only one that wasn't martyred. They tried to kill him, they boiled him in oil, and that, that's not just tradition, that was passed down through to, uh, to, to his like the guy that took over from John, he was, he was boiled in oil. He couldn't die. They eventually exiled him to Patmos thinking, this guy is crazy. This guy, who is he? And he ended up writing the book of Revelation, had an incredible encounter with God that is literally not, we're still reading today. Can we all stand? We're going to do communion. Uh, could the worship team come up? That'll be awesome. And we just thought this is a, a great way of us starting the year, is uh, just remembering that it's all about Jesus.